Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. As always, keep an eye out for our Q&A and discussion episodes. Until then, here's the Gospel from August 27th, 2017, the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I was a um, senior in college, and I was home uh, on Christmas break. I was getting ready to go back uh, for my final semester. And uh, I get a letter from school, um, I guess it was the, I guess the registrar's office, office saying, um, you're three credits short to graduate. Um, whatever I had, I guess I filled out signed up for, for five classes, thinking that was enough. And they said, you've got your three short. Uh, it turns out one of, the, one of the classes that I thought was accepted and transferred wasn't. So, uh, so now at the last minute, I got to kind of scramble and find three more quick credits to take on this already full semester. Um, so I immediately called friends, classmates, and I just said, uh, quick, you know, what would be, what was the biggest blow-off course you've, you've ever taken. Um, these guys were pretty much experts on blow-off courses, so they had this whole list of them, um, and they, a couple of them suggested this one particular course uh, that I took. It was a, a public speaking class. And they, they pushed, they said, take it because, um, you know, you got no, no papers to do, you have no uh, t- exams to take, Really, the only you're going to be graded on these these talks that you have to give. So, take it. Oh, and they also said that, and the professor was really good. They said he was a very interesting interesting guy. So, I took it, and they were right. Um, they really, he was really good. He um, he would begin each class with um, a famous speech that had been given, you know, in history. If it was uh, if it was possible, if it was a relatively recent one, if it was a video of it. He'd show us the video. Um, if not, if it was a really historical one, he'd just uh, he'd read it. But you know what he used to do? That was I, I realized was really kind of key. Was uh, he'd kind of give the, the background. He'd give the con- the context of what was going on when this person gave this speech. And you realize with a little bit of history, a little bit of context, like you understood why 
it was as important as it was. So it was fun. You know, you'd come in each class, and the first five or six or seven minutes would be this speech and a little bit of discussion afterwards, what it was about it that made it a great speech. I remember the first one he did, it was the first day of class, actually. Uh, he showed uh, Ronald Reagan um, when the Challenger space shuttle exploded. Um, he went on TV that night, and he gave this pretty famous, what is now famous, speech. And uh, he showed that, and we kind of talked about that. And um, A couple of Martin Luther King speeches that were just credible, incredibly inspiring. I remember one with, uh, it was actually Bobby Kennedy, but he was in, uh, it was 1968, he was campaigning for president, and uh, Martin Luther King had been assassinated, I guess, earlier in the day, or that morning, I guess, and um, he's scheduled to speak in uh, Indiana, in this very sort of urban uh, African-American community, and he's going to speak at this rally, and they don't know yet, the people in, in this crowd haven't, they didn't know that he was, he was dead, or he had even been shot. So he has the task of getting up and explaining to them what had happened. And it's just this awesome speech. He talks about his brother being murdered and um, just sort of it's very unifying, almost kind of pra prayerful um, speech. But the one I remember the most in this class was, uh, wasn't Bobby Kennedy. It was uh, John F. Kennedy when he was in Berlin. This was a couple of months before he was assassinated. And he gives that famous, you know, Ich bin ein Berliner speech. Um, but again, the, the professor kind of explained to us what was going on and why this was so important. It's objectively like you just listen to it and it's, he's just a great, great speaker and the words are powerful. But then when you, you add to what was going on in the world, you know, with the height of the Cold War and Cuban Missile Crisis had only been a couple of months before, and communists are clearly this kind of growing evil threat to the world. Um, and he stands up in this place at that time, and he just gives this great, great speech about freedom, sort of in the backyard of communism, communist state, the Berlin Wall. Um, You know, that when Reagan gave that talk, he was, uh, that was just the year before. Uh, he had been, that challenge had happened just the year before. So we all knew it. It was all, we were only, we were juniors in college when it happened. So we didn't need a lot of context then. Like it was just, we all felt it. It was very, it was powerful hearing it again. But my whole point, I guess, is this. It's uh, context matters why people do the things they do, why they say certain things they do. If you, know, if you know what's going on sort of around it, then a lot of times the meaning takes off even more. Happens all the time in Scripture, in the Gospels in particular. If you know, the, if you know what was going on in the time of Jesus when he says what he says, a lot of times it, it takes us to an even deeper place. This gospel this morning is definitely an example of that. It says, Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say 
the Son of Man is. Well, here's just a little bit of context. Caesarea Philippi. I mean, we, you know, we hear these stories like they're just historical. They're in a, you know, a history book. Okay, Caesarea Philippi. So what? Or, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about Caesarea Philippi. Well, here's a little bit about Caesarea Philippi. It was about 25 miles from where Jesus was at Sea of Galilee. So picture that, first of all. He takes the apostles on this trek 25 miles away. You know, clearly no cars, no buses, no trains. So they're on foot. So picture this, 25 miles. If you walked out to uh, Robert Moses, the beach, the park, if you walked along Ocean Parkway, that's about 25 miles from here. So it'd be a pretty serious walk. And he takes them that distance to this place, this city, which was a pretty dark place. It was very pagan. And it was built on this, the city was built on this massive, pretty geographically, it was pretty impressive. It was on this giant rock, this 10-story high cliff or mountain, I guess, more than a rock. But you couldn't miss it. And they built this temple on the top of it, this pagan temple. And it was almost like it was like a pilgrimage site. People would come, you know how like you, know, you come into a church and you might light a candle? Well, that's almost what they used to do, but it wasn't, it wasn't before the Blessed Mother. It wasn't in front of St. Joseph. It went to pagan gods. So it was, a, it was not a good place. And people would go there in huge numbers. Interesting, it says in the Gospel, though, that he went to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He doesn't actually get to the city. So sort of like this, he, shows, he, goes, he goes out to Ocean, B, uh, Ocean Parkway. He goes 25 miles to Robert Moses, the equivalent of. And then he's sort of looking up at this awful city, this awful temple. He doesn't go to it. He just sort of, it's like in the, it's the backdrop. You can't miss it. And with it in the background, he asks this really important question. So who do people think I am? And then we get Peter's response, or, you know, kind of series of responses. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah or Elijah or John the Baptist. But none of these are true, says Peter. You're more, than, you're more than just a great man. You're more than just this holy example. You're more than a mentor. You know, mentors are important. We all need them. I think we all seek them out. You're at work and you're starting in this new area. And maybe they assign you a mentor, somebody who's done it before, knows it well. And you just kind of follow, you shadow them or you follow them. They teach you the ropes. Growing up, you know, if you, if you lack something, if you lack a, an important person in your life, maybe your father wasn't the father he should have been, maybe he was absent, maybe he wasn't particularly responsible. Well, you know what we tend to do? We go looking for a father figure or a mother, whomever, whoever's missing, whoever's important that isn't there. We know we need that, so we seek it out. So mentors matter. And Peter essentially says, you're not a mentor. You're a great person, but you're a whole lot more than that. You're not a prophet. You're not a messenger from God. You are God. You are the Christ. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's right. You got it. 
You finally got it, Peter. And in that moment of sort of recognition, I guess prior to that, I guess they thought he was more of just a, a mentor, kind of this prophetic hero figure. And again, we need them and they matter, but they're not God. And I think we trip ourselves up when we take people who are great and we raise them too high. And ultimately, they disappoint us. We treat them like they're God, and then you find out about their life. You find out about, about I mean, look at the Kennedys. You know, 30 years ago, people thought, you know, they were just sort of these Catholic great men. And they did do great things, but they weren't all... You know, we, we found out more about their personal lives, you know, with the passing of time. So when we raise people up higher than they should be, we just, it's a mistake. And Peter makes this distinction. He's like, no, you're not one of them. You are God. And that's when Peter says, or that's when Jesus says, and you're this rock. And on this rock, or on you, this church will be built. And this rock will take down that rock, which was this big temple on top of the rock in Caesarea Philippi. It's this total contrast. Why does he bring him 25 miles? I think it's to be like, listen, that's what we're up against. That's where we're going. That's what we're going to take down. What was JFK saying, essentially, in front of the Berlin Wall or, or, or nearby? This won't stand. This wall won't last forever. Ronald Reagan said it 25 years after that. Tear down this wall. And it wasn't a coincidence they, they both had that message in that place. I think it's this whole Caesarea Philippi thing. And then he says this. Well, the gospel says this. It talks about hell, the netherworld. The gates of hell will never prevail. The gates of, you always think of like the gates of heaven, right? The gates of hell will never prevail. Well, what if the gates of hell prevailed, what would that mean? That the gates stayed shut, I guess. And that the people that are in there would be trapped in there forever. Like the poor lost people on the top of that mountain in Caesarea Philippi. They were just lost. Hopeless people in the dark. And the gate keeps them shut. And then Jesus says, no, that gate won't be kept shut. Because we're going up that, up that rock. And that gate will be tossed open. Interesting, like they say, the gate, you know, in these cities where, you know, these ancient cities usually were built, walls were built around them to keep bad guys out. So the weakest point of one of those walls would be the gate. I mean, the walls themselves were tall and super wide. You couldn't get through them. The only possible place you, you could penetrate this Fort was the gate. The gate was where it was vulnerable because it's an opening. If you blast the gate open, then you get in. You get in so that people can get out. And that's what Jesus speaks to in this gospel. We go up with the power of Christ, the light of Christ. Christ be, it's the opening song, Christ be our light. With the light of Christ, we kick open hellish places. Literally hell? No. But moments in our lives that are, that are not a whole lot distant 
than what it, I guess, is like to be in hell. So maybe consider that. What would be some part of your life, if there is a part of your life, that might be kind of hellish? You're struggling. You feel sort of almost enslaved in some way. Like you can't get out. The gates are locked. I can't get out. Maybe I'm depressed or overwhelmed by something, some situation. Maybe I'm angry. I'm bitter. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed in some like awful way. When Jesus said to Peter, hey, this is why I was sent. This is why I'm sending you all out after me, to rescue those people. They're all at the top of that big rock mountain, and they can't get out. And they're praying before false gods. And we bust those gates open. And we free those people. And you know what? Maybe I asked you seconds ago, like, can you think of any kind of hellish aspect of your life right now? And maybe you're like, no, I, I, no, things are actually okay. Good. I'm not saying go look for it. I'm saying this, be grateful for it. And maybe pray for somebody who's, who is kind of in hell right now. And I was, uh, I guess about three or four weeks ago at the beach mass, and it was after Mass, and uh, a woman came up to me who was, uh, I could kind of tell, I thought she, she knew me, but I didn't really, she didn't look familiar. It turns out she was the parent of a, of a kid I knew when I was at St. Anthony's High School. So she mentioned him, and I, you know, I immediately knew who she was talking about. I asked how he, I haven't seen him, I don't think, since he graduated. He's now 30 or 32. I asked, how's he doing? And she, her face just went white. She said, he's terrible. I'm like, terrible? What? What? And she said, he's heroin addicted. He's, she said, I don't even know where he is right now. So I don't even, I don't even know if he's alive. Went on to describe what happened or, you know, how he had had a, a really good life. He had a marriage. He had a, couple of kids, all that's done. He had a, a good job, completely done. I mean, it's like, it's hell. The family, the kids, she talked briefly about his, his kids and how tormented they are. He, he disappears for months, weeks, months, and then, he, and then he returns and they get excited and then he disappears again. So like, they're tormented, they're on this crazy roller coaster that they, they have to get off. They know that the adults around them know this can't continue. The wife is a, a wreck. The mother, you know, she starts crying, saying, you know, I'm so conflicted. The professionals keep saying, you got to let him go. You can't keep, you know, he's, he's got nowhere to go. So he want, he's asking to stay with her, and he allows it, but then that becomes a disaster. He's stealing stuff causing havoc at home. So she, she said he's got to go, so he's gone, but she doesn't even know where he is. Oh my God, talk about Caesarea Philippi. It was right there on, the, on Monroe Boulevard Beach 
what this woman was dealing with, what her daughter-in-law and her grandkids are dealing with, what her son is dealing with in his addiction. You know, hell's not as far away as we maybe sometimes think, or at least extensions of it. Maybe it's a relationship you're in that's kind of hellish. It's unacceptable. It's just, I mean, this abusive or quasi-abusive, whatever that means, quasi-abusive relationship. Things are getting worse between us, myself and this other person, or this person and the rest of the family. And something's got to give. Maybe it's somebody who's, who you love, whose memory is shrinking, seems like, by the day. They're slipping so fast into dementia, you kind of you can't believe it. And you know you have to deal with that. You've got to do something. They're too on their own and they can't be on their own anymore. And the person themselves, they know it. So the look in their eyes at points looks like they're in hell. When they realize that they're confused, they're not sure who they're talking to and they're pretending, they're like faking it. You don't have to go to Caesarea Philippi to find hell. You know, when Kennedy was in, it was 1963, you know what he was really saying when he was standing outside of that, that gate, that wall in Berlin? He said, we're coming. We're going to win this thing. That was a long time ago, and it took a lot more years. 25 years after that, Reagan said the same thing, and it was a few more years after that. But they were right. We did win. Truth won out. Freedom won out. And I think that's what this whole 25-mile walk to Caesarea Philippi was. We need to go where people are unfree. We need to go where the gates of hell are locked and knock them open. So what is your cross? And hey, maybe it's, again, maybe it's not, it's none of the stuff I just had mentioned. Great. Thank God. But maybe it is. But what's your burden? Or somebody you love who absolutely is in sort of a, a hellish way. We can't lose hope. They can't lose hope. You don't give up. They don't give up. Because he's coming for the gate. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. Once again, keep an eye out for our discussion and our Q&A episodes. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week, and until then, God bless.